Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak. This is the Automotive ADHD Show with Matt West. And here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show. It's heard around the world as a podcast. And now here in Colorado Springs on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. My name is Matt West. I am here to do my job, which today is talk about cars. Yeah, I got a I got a loaded show for you. We're going to talk about how new car prices are on the rise, according to new data, and how the United Auto Worker Union strikes aren't really helping out with that. We're going to talk about just how much you need to make to buy a new car in 2023. And finally, in the third half of the show, I wrap things up from the sixth annual Honda charity car show which happened earlier today and i recorded some segments while i was out there can't wait to share those with you um also we're gonna play your car sounds on this very special edition to the show and uh this show by the way an introduction for my radio listeners you maybe haven't heard this show before but this show is all about cars and you know not everybody needs to be a car guy to appreciate it you know not everybody is a car nut like me thankfully i i, I hope you're not but you know what most of us do have cars It's a part of daily life. It's part of our American culture. So join me on this show where we go over anything that has uh, wheels and an engine, anything like that, whether it's uh, uh, Japanese cars, American classics, uh, maybe even some motorcycles in there, too. Anything there is fair game. Now, to give you some background. I've been doing this show for two years online as a podcast where I bribed or otherwise coerced somewhere around 30,000 people to tune into the podcast where I've featured interviews with real mechanics, Pikes Peak hill climb drivers, race engineers, world record stunt drivers, as well as some questionable automotive purchasing advice from uh, from yours truly. And uh, now we're spreading that far and wide here on the radio in Colorado Springs. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great Salem hosts on this station, and I do have to thank Salem Media and then the local guys here. We've got Dirk Hobbs, we've got Mike Boyle, there's some of the national guys on this station, Sebastian Gorka, Dennis Prager. That is quite the lineup that you're used to getting on this station. And then there's me. So <laughs> I got a I got a lot of competition there. There's some stiff competition. Now, your host, by the way, myself, you know, I'll, I'll give you some quick background before we get into some of the topics, just so you know who I am, because, you know, I'm, I'm a big car guy. That's that's obvious. Ask anyone here at the radio station. I can't shut up about them. Honestly, it's it's uh, it's kind of a problem. And I wouldn't be sitting here on the radio talking about cars if I hated them. So uh, that is that is why I'm here, because because I like cars. And yeah, everybody is sick of hearing me talk about cars here at the office. So uh, now I do a lot of grassroots motorsports. I've participated in a number of SCCA events. I do local road course racing. I run down at Pikes Peak International Raceway in a bunch of events that they do. And there was even a time in my past where I did a little bit of drag racing too. So Definitely a car nut. I've been a long time wrencher. I've built, broke, built again, broke again, rebuilt most of my own engines. And uh, I will say it takes a serious amount of poor judgment and some mediocre mechanical skill to keep my fleet of mostly sub thousand dollar cars on the road. So um, also, I'm pretty confident the building management here at the radio station really appreciates it when I park my $600-ish Jeep Wagoneer next to 
all the other nice cars uh, in the parking lot. So um, anyway, there you go. That is that is a little introduction into uh, yours truly, your uh, automotively enthused, maybe over enthusiastic uh, talk show host here. Um, but now getting into some things, uh, I I am a big fan of when I'm sitting around doing nothing, which it's not too often, but I do like to scroll through Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, looking at cars that um, I probably shouldn't buy. In fact, this is how most of my automotive decisions, uh, purchasing decisions, have has, has happened. Um, and, you know, if you're new on the radio here, uh, I, have ter- I have a terrible taste in cars, and <laughs> most of my cars suck, so uh, just so you know. But I, I, I don't know. That's kind of part of why this show is called Automotive ADHD in kind of a weird way. I uh, can never settle down with one car. I'm always interested in doing something different. It's easy to, I won't say it's easy to get bored with them, because it's not, but it's uh, one of those things that you always find yourself looking looking for something new, trying out something different. And uh, I came across this as well as uh, other members of the automotive press. Um, hat tip James Gilboy from The Drive. It's a 1970s Buick um, that has these weird tandem axles. This is a really, really unusual car. Um, and you sometimes find these gems uh, on Facebook Marketplace. You sometimes find the weirdest stuff on Facebook Marketplace. Stuff that you can't even believe is real. Stuff that's probably a scam, but and you know better, but you you reach out anyway. <laughs> so, um, this is, it's a really weird Buick. It's a 1971 Buick Electra 225. Um, and, and there are some theories that it was an escaped General Motors prototype. Escaped from the labs at General Motors in the skunk works there. And uh, the reason for that is, picture, you know, it's kind of a big boat. It's a Buick Electra. It's a huge car. Except picture one with two axles in the rear, two two sets of wheels. So in total, six wheels on this car. And the weird thing is, this car is a little too nice to be a kind of hack job custom thing that one would find uh, in their garage. And it is, by the way, it, by the way, it is up for sale. Um, and it comes with a 455 cubic inch. That's 7.5 liters, by the way, for those of us that uh, don't speak American with cars. Um, and that's, so that's a big block. That's a really big, big block. And um, but this tandem axle uh, thing is very unusual, um, especially if you could if only you could see pictures of this uh, for for radio listeners you know here take a take a look at this picture no um but the story behind it's really odd because for many years this car has changed hands and people have thought okay maybe it's a general motors test car a prototype but the current owner of this vehicle now claims that that is not the case, that General Motors had nothing to do with it, that the State Department of Transportation back in the 1970s took this car and they were having issues with um, winter tires, studded winter tires tearing up asphalt uh, on the roads uh, in, in the state. And what they decided to do was make a car that can grip a little bit better without studded winter tires. So the whole idea was, okay, we want more grip in the rear. Let's add more tire in the rear and not just wider tire, physically more tires. And uh, I should note, this does actually come out of Pennsylvania, by the way. Now, the interesting thing about this car, though, the controversy on the Internet about it is no one really seems to know where it came from. Truly, the current owner says this was one of the cases. A previous owner was a uh, dealership, a Cadillac dealership that bought the car back in 1986 used uh, and claims that there's actually even a second example that's 
owned by some woman who just drives it around, presumably to church on the weekends in California, which is a little um, it's a little bit on the unusual side. And, you know, one thing about cars, you know, I, I love these cars that have like a mystery to them. They have a history and they have some mystery in that history. And this is definitely one of those cars. I mean, General Motors back in the day was no stranger to doing weird prototypes and things. You know, General Motors, you know, we we know of the, uh, think of the Corvette right now, the C8 generation, the brand new Corvette. You've probably seen them around on the roads. And think of those. And, you know, those are mid-engine now. You know, for the first time, um, allegedly, they say, for the first time, in production at least, the Corvette went mid-engine. But the fact is, back in the uh, 60s and 70s, the Gen- uh, General Motors was prototyping mid-engine Corvettes, even as far back as then. They even prototyped rotary mid-engine Corvettes. So no V8, a rotary engine, uh, which we could talk about what rotary engines are, but but that, I, I don't know if I have enough time to do that right here on the radio, but we, will, we might get into that into the future. But General Motors is no stranger to these weird cars, and I like this one. Um, by the way, it could be yours for a crisp, cool $100,000. I don't know if I got that change line around. Now, hey, don't go anywhere. Lots more to talk about. We're going to talk about the auto industry, the UAW strikes, and how buying new cars is getting harder and harder. It's right here. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve Turbocharged BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro. We'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes you, can make a difference. More information is available on the Automotive ADHD Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. All right. Hey, those car sounds were courtesy of podcast listener Cameron. He sent those car sounds in. Now, if you're new on the radio show here, again, you're listening to Automotive ADHD on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer, local Colorado Springs show here. Um, But if you're new to this, the way this works on the show is listeners send me car sounds. They don't have to be crazy car sounds. It could be your daily driver. I've had listeners send in tractor sounds, by the way. So <laughs> setting the bar really high here. And um, But that being said, you send those car sounds into me on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. So you send the car sounds in there. There's a pinned post on the page. You go to that page, comment with those car sounds. The great thing about this is everyone else can see it as well and enjoy it. I live vicariously through my listeners' car sounds, and uh, and the, there's a, there's an incentive to doing this too because at the end of every month I do a drawing. Uh, of all the car sounds that were sent in during the month, I do a drawing, and the winner who is picked at random in the drawing is eligible to win a couple of interesting items, uh, namely one of which is a $25 part store gift card, which is really helpful, especially if you got a project car like I do. I've, I've got a few that don't run, so 25, 25 bucks isn't quite enough for me, but um, it, it's a little drop in the bucket that helps you out, even if you don't have a project car, just need something for the daily driver. Maybe you need some windshield wipers 
wipers, uh, some oil, uh, coolant, whatever you need for it to keep your car on the road, you have a chance to win that. And then included in that is the As Heard on the Automotive ADHD Show sticker, as well as, and I have it here across the studio, here it is, the uh, Automotive ADHD keychain. It's an embroidered keychain and it's more of like a key tag and it's really handy because it helps you fish your keys out of your pocket. Uh, it also lets people know when you set your keys on the table and people look at your keys and they know you have really questionable tastes in uh, automotive programming and uh, radio shows. So it's a sort of a dual purpose item. I'll dangle it in front of the microphone here as if you can see it. Um, so that's cool stuff. Again, you can send those car sounds in facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Over the past two years on the podcast, I've had probably close to 150 200 people at this point i send me car sounds in one way or another so um yeah get get in get into that get in it's fun we like doing it here on the show and um and and i promise no one's gonna make fun of you for your car sounds like i said we've had tractors i said i had a guy who sent in a sound of his car blowing up like the engine blowing up so <laughs> the, we'll set the bar pretty low with that so go check that out again facebook.com slash automotive adhd now before I talk about some things related to the United Auto Workers Union strike, you've probably been hearing about that going on quite a bit. I'm going to give you an update on kind of what it's about. We're going to recap that. Podcast listeners have heard me talk about this for the past few weeks in a row now, uh, but we're going to give you a recap on that um, as well as talk about some updates as of uh, as of just a couple days ago now. So uh, before we talk about that, though, um, there is a once popular YouTuber in the automotive world, I didn't really follow this guy, but he got in trouble. He had, uh, before he got in trouble, he had near a million subscribers on YouTube, and he got in trouble for some sort of uh, piracy scheme where he was um, stealing copyrighted material from cable television and somehow monetizing that and selling it. I don't quite get that. But whatever he was doing, it afforded him many cars, lots and lots of cars. And um, he has now been convicted uh, of these piracy charges and he has now uh, been sentenced to five years in prison. So that leaves the question. Um, he has 32 cars, by the way. So there's 32 cars in total. What are they going to do? with the 32 cars that he got you know, kind of illegally, right? He can't just keep those for when he gets out of prison. So what is happening here is the feds are auctioning these off, 32 cars. And uh, what I find interesting is, you know, this kind of gives you insight into his car collection. Okay, what sort of car does a guy like this drive? And uh, there's a, it's a pretty eclectic collection. If anything, I have a few criticisms of it, but let, let's go through the list here. And I guarantee all these cars are out of my budget. So don't, don't even worry. I'm not, I'm not trying to sell you cars. <laughs> I'm pro I promise you I'm not. Uh, but you know, he's got some like pretty normal stuff. He's got a Jeep Gladiator Rubicon. That's a nice expensive truck. Uh, the, uh, he's got a couple of Jeep Cherokee Trackhawks. Those are the ones with the supercharged V8 out of the Hellcat. Uh, what's really weird is he has two of them. And they're the same. I don't know why you... Okay, I, I don't know why you do that. And he's got several Dodge Challenger Hellcats. Uh, a red-eye version, the uh, the regular version. Uh, another regular version. He's got one. Hold on, how, many, how many Hellcats are in here? One, two, three Hellcats. Uh, Dodge Durango SRT, which is basically the same thing as the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk, except without the... I, I, you know what? Uh, let's keep going into this. So this is what the sort of budget... 
uh, affords you. This is I'm not going to go through all 32 cars. I'm picking out some highlights here. Uh, one that I think is pretty cool, a 2019 Acura NSX. Not as cool as the old NSX. The old NSXs were really something special. He's got a 2020 Toyota Supra. and eh, Not the old Supra either, but I do like the new Supras. I think they're quite... Uh, capable sports cars. If anything, if you wanted to buy a new Supra and actually drive it, as opposed to the old ones nowadays, which are just getting huge money, especially the Mark IV Supras, you know, the ones that was in Fast and Furious. Those are especially uh, getting challenging to find for a reasonable price. So, hey, if you want to buy a Supra and you want to drive it, the new one's a great option. It's got several BMWs, uh, Bentley, several Lamborghinis here. <laughs> but, wait, there's more. A Power Rangers wrapped Lamborghini. Yeah, it's a vinyl wrap, a graphic vinyl wrap on a Lamborghini that has all of the Power Rangers, you know, like from the TV show, the Power Rangers wrapped on it. Uh, you know what? I, what confuses me about this is why, why do guys, what is the point of that? Like, is it, is having a Lamborghini not exciting enough? You need to make it more exciting by putting pictures of Power Rangers on? I mean, Power Rangers? Definitely cool. Power Rangers get a get a ten out of ten, I guess. So so I, I guess I have to get um I have to give this Power Rangers wrapped. I can't say that with a straight face. Power Rangers wrapped Lamborghini uh, a couple extra points for having the Power Rangers on. It's got all the different Power Rangers on it too. All the different ones on it. So uh, what can you do? What can you do? Also, I weirdly enough, kind of ironic. All these amazing supercars, all this really interesting stuff, and and the dude also just has a Dodge Caravan. Just a regular caravan, just a minivan. That's probably the one he actually drove every day, right? That's prob probably the daily. Just a minivan. So, hey, even uh, even these big scammers, these guys who make loads of money ripping other people off, I guess have to have a daily driver too. And I guess someone who sells, steals content from cable television and resells it drives a Dodge Caravan. That's what sort of... Um, I don't, I don't know if that says much about other Dodge Caravan owners. Pro probably not. Probably not. So I thought that was just something fun to uh, to get into there. And uh, now let's let's discuss a little bit about the United Auto Workers Union strike. I've got a couple things to tell you about it before we wrap up this segment here. So on my podcast, I, I, I have talked about this for a few weeks in a row. And so the rundown here, the gist of it, I won't go into much detail here because if you do want to hear that you can go onto the podcast you can find it on spotify uh rumble itunes uh all of all of the places where you can find those podcasts and um and you can go listen to that and listen to some of my opinions on it but the the key points here the united auto workers union workers are striking for one thing they want more pay um they also want to change the system in which they get paid. So they have in many places in the auto manufacturing industry, they have this multi-tiered pay scheme that depends on how long have you been there. If you've been there for X amount of time, you get X amount of dollars versus someone who hasn't been there for as much. And there were some criticisms with that. Um, one of those criticisms being that, well, someone can, you know, who's working on an assembly line, you know, you have a specific job that you're doing. Um, you know, someone can be just as efficient as someone else who's been there for the same amount of time or a longer amount of time, I should clarify. So that's where these people are saying, well, if someone who's up and coming 
who's new to the company but is just as efficient as another worker gets paid less because they haven't been there as long. They're saying there's some unfairness there. And um, so that's one of the things that the union workers are striking over. They also want protections uh, as manufacturers push to have more EVs. Uh, EVs are less complicated when it comes to the manufacturing process. They're very different, but there's less moving parts. There's a lot of less things, a lot less things that need to be assembled. And, um, with EVs, I, I've talked about my opinion on the show with EVs before for my podcast listeners. They're probably tired of me talking about that. But, you know, for for you on the radio here, um, you know, with EVs, I, I'm a big free market sort of guy. Like, I think that we should have the ability to buy whatever we want, essentially. The government shouldn't come in and say, no, 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 you, you have to buy an EV now because environment this and whatever that and regulations this. That's you can't you can't do that, in my opinion. You know, I think, you know, I'm not an anti EV sort of person. Um, you know, I've got uh, people in my family who have some EVs and they're a lot of fun and they have their own they have their own purposes, right? There's there's a reason you would buy an EV, you know, a certain number of reasons. And there's also a reason you'd want to stick with a gas car or another reason why you might want to buy a diesel vehicle, a diesel truck, whatever. You know, it should be up to us as com- as consumers to buy what fits our needs and manufacturers should be able to make what they should be able to sell us what we need. The market should dictate what the manufacturers ultimately are making. But what the problem here is you have government coming in and artificially trying to direct the market saying, okay, the market wants this, but we are saying by this arbitrary date that you have to have all EVs or you have to have a certain percentage of EVs. And and I disagree with that fundamentally. I think we should, we should as consumers be able to buy what we want relatively unimpeded by these government regulations and things like that. So, but tying this back into the United Auto Auto Workers Union strike, they want protections because more manufacturers are going to EVs as governments, not just ours in the United States, but other governments as well are are wanting to do this push for EVs, which I think is, uh, again, I think it's a poor decision personally. And there's a lot of debate on those EVs. We can get into that maybe later on this show on a, on another edition of the show, uh, kind of rehash that EV debate. Um, but that being said, those are the key points that the union workers want. I think, you know, to a point here, to a point, you know, kind of my opinion on this is that the strikes that the union workers are doing are affecting all of us. And, you know, we don't necessarily, everyone doesn't necessarily benefit from this, but we certainly are losing out with these strikes going on. Cars are going to be more expensive because of, I mean, the supply chain issues. We saw back during COVID when manufacturing stopped because of chip shortages and other things, we saw issues with that. We saw a delayed response, albeit, because the inventory on your dealership floor is not what was made last week. It was what was made six months ago or even later. So um, I've got more on this here. We're going to we're going to dive into a little more deeply what's going on with this. The update now as of a couple days ago, uh, there's even more news since I last did a podcast on this as well. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Automotive ADHD Show. It's right here in Colorado Springs on AM 1460 and FM 101.1 The Answer. In these trying times, the Speed Council needs your support. Well, mostly your money. All right, just the money. Join our Patreon today at thespeedcouncil.org to get exclusive benefits when you support Automotive ADHD. Colorado Springs' number one car show by default. This is Automotive ADHD. 
car sounds those those sounds were sent in from listener landon on the podcast those were bike sounds landon's 1982 yamaha maxim 550 revving that thing out you know here on the automotive adhd show it is a car show but we we love and respect our motorcycle brethren who were born with two less wheels and the rest of us. We love them anyways. So, <laughs> hey, if you've got car sounds and now I can say bike sounds, remember to send those into the show for your chance to win a $25 gift certificate, a keychain, stickers, lots of great stuff. And you get to have your sounds on the uh, on the radio right here. So uh, do that. Send them into the show. And hey, while you're at it, say where you're from when you're sending them in, because I, I would love to hear some car sounds from right here in Colorado Springs, as well as across the country and across the world on the podcast. I've had car sounds from uh, Europe. I, I've had people send them in from all over the world, um, and and that's fantastic. So, but just hey, let me know. Let's let's start that. Let me know where you're from when you're sending those car sounds in. That way, I can kind of shout it out here uh, on the uh, on the radio show. Also, I do want to thank the members of the Speed Council, otherwise known as the Patreon. Uh, they do support this show monetarily. They help make this show possible. And uh, and check that out. You can do that at thespeedcouncil.org. And uh, got some really good stuff going on there. Some cool benefits for Patreon members. We're kind of changing up the Patreon here a little bit as well because um, you know listeners who support the show there are used to getting early access to the show uh, as a podcast, but that doesn't make much sense now with it on the radio because you can kind of get the early access for free by tuning into the stream of the radio station, which a shout out there too. You can stream this radio station and this show on this radio station uh, and look it up again, AM 1460, The Answer, am1460theanswer.com. Uh, you can stream it uh, there, of course, from uh, Salem Media. So uh, before the break, I was talking about the United Auto Workers Union strike, what they're striking for. My opinion that, look, it's really affecting a lot of us now because what's happening is you have the union workers striking. Cars aren't being made, but guess what? They're also striking at parts distribution facilities, too. So that's a problem because you even if you're not buying a new car, look at it this way. You know, you say, well, I've got a 12 year old car, right? The average daily driver out there, the average car on the road is a little over 10 years old. So you say, well, I've got an old car. It doesn't matter. I'm not buying a new car. Why does this union strike affect me at all? Well, it does. And that's because there are numerous parts distribution centers across the country that supply parts to your dealership, that supply parts to your auto parts stores even. And when you have these strikes going on, at certain part distribution centers. It's not all of them. It's mostly the GM ones right now. But when you have that, that has a trickle-down effect to the rest of the industry. Even if it is just the GM parts distribution centers, it is still a problem because they supply parts to other manufacturers. Just because, look at it this way too with car parts. You know, you don't, and I've said this before on the podcast, but you, you don't just have Chevy or General Motors or whoever making parts for that car. They get parts from different suppliers and different manufacturers. Chevy doesn't make every single screw, nut, and bolt on your car. They don't. They're made by other companies and they go through these parts distri distribution centers. So this does, in a roundabout way, affect us, even if we don't have any new cars and um and so what's happening now with this union strike so earlier in the week general motors uh, allegedly said that they were gonna 
issue an offer and they were going to give the union an offer. They didn't say what that offer was and the union didn't express whether or not uh, they were going to take it. But get this, General Motors has now lost $200 million in revenue in the past uh, couple of weeks. $200 million. That is a ton of money. Um, now, the update here as of now, October 6th, so just a couple days ago, um, there were last there were some last-minute proposals at General Motors that stopped the UAW uh, from initiating another strike, another walkout at General Motors plant in Arlington, Texas. So the plant in Texas uh, is responsible for building the Chevy Tahoe, the Suburban, the GMC Yukon, the Cadillac Escalade, and it's one of the most profitable auto plants in the world. And it would probably be the most serious of all the strikes of all the plants that the UAW has walked out on. It would probably be one of the most serious ones to General Motors bottom line. And so some some of these last minute proposals, a lot of this stuff is happening behind closed doors. We still don't really know what's happening in those proposals, but that at least, uh, you know, caused the UAW to at least hold off on striking there. There are still 25,000 workers striking, however, at other plants still right now who are walking the picket line. Uh, at, they're at General Motors. They're at Ford. They're at Stellantis. Stellantis, again, if you're hearing it for the first time, Stellantis is uh, Fiat, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, those brands, um, you know, so um, that's that's what's going on there. So that's kind of the latest update. They're still striking there. They haven't ultimately come to a resolution with a number of these uh, manufacturers here, mostly the big three. Now, you might say to yourself, well, I I, I don't buy a, a Ford Chevy or Dodge. I've got a Toyota or I've got this. Um, there's still going to be issues um, going down the road, when we see the lack of supply from the strikes now in six months time, when we see that hitting the dealership floors, the demand for cars isn't really going to change a whole lot. It's not going to change a ton, but, uh, you know, the, the supply will change. So the demand is going to stay fairly constant, barring some things with interest rates and other things. But just generally speaking, that's going to stay fairly constant. The supply, though, is going to be significantly lower. And it's just simple economics there. Less cars making it to dealerships, meaning more markups at dealerships. Well, these are hard to get. These are hard to come by. Dealerships are going to mark up those allocations that they have a lot more. And that is a problem for everyday consumers. And that is a problem, too, because that's going to affect, say, Toyota. Toyota does not employ UAW workers. Uh, neither does Tesla. And you might say, well, this is really good for them. Um, and it is for their business. In the short run, this is going to probably increase their business. It is going to be a beneficial thing for them. Perhaps why we've seen Elon Musk not really uh, dissuading the strikers, saying, yeah, you strikers can do what you want. And, you know, he's kind of he hasn't directly been stoking the fire, but he hasn't also been calling for the uh, cancellation of the strikes either. Because that does help his bottom line. However, the problem is, well, if you can't, the, the, if you say the auto supply, um, the inventory of supply, you know, across all the makes, across all the manufacturers, well, you cut, say, a third of that out. I'm just saying some arbitrary numbers here for example's sake. You cut a third of that out. Um, well, now those consumers who can't get that supply from Ford, um, Chevy, and Dodge are going to go to Toyota and are going to go to these other places. And in doing so, that's going to also cause the supply there to go down. I mean, Toyota and Tesla and these other places are really going to have to ramp up that production 
to uh, to to compensate for that. So we'll probably even see markups on that side of things as well. But hey, I want to know your thoughts. So let me know what you think about this on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. What is your take on the union? Do you think the unions striking are a good thing? Do you think this is a problem? And, you know, more and more as we go on with this strike, I'm starting to think it's a little bit of a problem because of the way it affects the rest of consumers. And if other consumers are affected in many ways, this could affect our economy on the macro scale, on the big side of things, too. So let me know your thoughts, though, Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD on the chance that you work in the auto manufacturing industry, whether you work for the union or not. Contact me there. I want to get you on the show. I want to have you express your viewpoint on this from that uh, position. So, hey, don't go anywhere. I was at the sixth annual Honda Charity Car Show earlier today, and uh, we're going to catch up from that here in just a minute. At the Speed Council, getting things done fast is our priority. We do everything fast, from driving, working, sleeping, and eating. Someone help! He's choking! This is Tim. Hello. And by the time this ad is over, he'll have bicycled across the earth 69 times. Nice. Even if our name sounds unfamiliar, you know our work. F1? Pfft. Child's play. The world's first supersonic jet? Yep. That was us. Apollo 11? Also us. The fastest animal in the sea? Hell. We even wrote the Wikipedia article, fast. And we're so dedicated to speed that we've genetically engineered the world's first hyperspeed speed machine. With this scientific breakthrough, you can interact with and download your favorite automotive podcast a whole day early. How's that for fast? Learn more at facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. This message approved by the Speed Council and the Church of Fast Things. And those car sounds, courtesy of Josh Maldonado, a boosted NSX, a fitting car sound for the uh, the location I'm at right now. I'm at the 6th Annual Honda Charity Car Show here in Colorado Springs at Mike Marooney Honda. And joining me on the show right now is Zach Lewis. Zach, thank you for joining me on the show. Hey, it's nice to be here. How are you doing? Hey, doing great. So, Zach, before we talk about some of what you're doing, some of the show this show is for charity, so I really do want to talk about that. I got to ask about Jake Allen's row there, and that's uh, ah, fine on that there. No worries. Uh, yeah, I got to ask about Jake Allen's row with that. Why Why does Jake have so many cars? Uh, so Jake has an, uh, an addiction. I think we all have an addiction, uh, an addiction and stuff, and his happens to be Honda's. Um, I think it started off kind of small, and then it just kind of just kind of took over him and stuff. So he's got... Um, Honda has their first car was a Honda N600 and, um, he actually has one of those. Oh, and, wow. um, he, um, was able to just get other cars that just kind of came along good deals and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, uh, it's like a nice timeline to go and just looking through all of, uh, the cars that Honda kind of made and just see how it's grown and stuff like that. And I think that's a, that's how he's got so many of them. Hey, that's uh, it's always a good thing. I guess you can't have too many. He is proving that obviously. Uh, second question is how did they all how did they all get out here? That's a that's like I was wondering, like, how do you get like 18 cars? So if you look at uh, his Instagram, it's kind of funny. It says we'll travel for Hondas. Um, so, you know, he would get one and then somebody be like, hey, I got like it's kind of like American Pickers to show. Right. So he'd be yeah. like, hey, uh, I got this car that's come sit and come check it out. And he'd come and I'm like, all right, I'll make you an offer. Um, there's also a, a tech that used to work here and his name was Bill. Um, 
unfortunately, uh, the city started moving in on Bill, so he had to get rid of his horde. And Jake was able to come and grab some of those cars from there. Wow. Wow. The uh, true to the name, I suppose, Honda Hoarder, right? That is true. That is true. Yes. <laughs> so now I, I want you to tell me a little bit real quick here before we talk about the show, uh, a little bit a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your project car sitting over there, too. Uh, you were talking about it earlier on some of the PA announcements. Tell me about you. All right. So a little quick backstory. I work here actually at uh, Mike Marini Honda. I'm a master technician. Uh, in February, I'd be here for 10 years and stuff. I uh, started off kind of like um, at the bottom. I was a, a porter. I was just moving cars uh, in and out. And then uh, I moved to a loop technician. Then I moved uh, to a line tech, had an apprentice program, and then um, started going to school up in Denver uh, doing my class and stuff. And I became a uh, master technician. Um, that's just kind of my story. Now I'm the shop foreman here. I uh, run the whole shop and stuff, which is really awesome. Um, a little backstory on my car. I have a 1990 Civic. And um, my mom which I love that lady to death. She told me, you know, as long as I always got good grades and stuff, she'll buy me my first car. So uh, 15 comes around and uh, she's like, hey, I got $1,800. You know, start looking for your car. Facebook wasn't even a big thing, right? So right. you would hop on Craigslist and look and stuff, got message people, this and that. So I was right, checking right. out a couple of things and then this car popped up and it's uh, it was funny because it, my uncle helped me look for it, and he was like, hey, this thing's got a B16A swap in it and stuff, and it's got VTEC. And I was like, what's VTEC? So we went for a test drive, and he's like, all right, watch this. And then slowly, just hold There it, it is. I heard the, the VTEC had kicked yeah, in. Right? I heard this yeah. crossover, and I was like, what the? I was like, yo, this is super cool. Now, at the time, <laughs> my mom had just went to work, so she left us with the money, and I fell in love. The car had no interior, like, from the front seats back. It was missing, like, the headliner. It had rear seats and stuff. So my mom comes home and she's like, oh, this is nice. And it had a hood scoop on it. Like, not just like one, like, uh, that just was on, like, it was literally cut out. A hood scoop was wow. on it. So I drove that, that car from school. I loved it so much. And um, I just slowly started to uh, build. I've, I've been through, like, I'm going to say phases. I've been through, like, three or four different phases with the car. So first we had the B16. Um, then I went and put a turbo on it. And then after I did the turbo and stuff, like, uh, it was cool. Like, a little street car made, like, 270. And the big, biggest thing, I was on E85, right? Everybody's Ooh, like, oh, that's yeah, cool, you know? Yeah, yeah, So I uh, I did that. And then slowly I started, you know, I I went through a couple of turbos. I don't know why I kept blowing turbos. Uh, it wasn't until about two, three years ago. I, I find, it, it didn't have paint. I was like, you know, I'm going to get serious with this car. Got it painted. Uh, Brent from PFI Speed, uh, they had started something called the PSCA classes. So I joined that. And just a little bit, a little bit after a little bit, got a cage in the car, stopped driving on the street, got a fuel cell in the car, couldn't go anywhere. Um, long story short, this year has been one of my best years. I ran a 9-1 on the car at 157 miles per hour at Bandemir. Oh, wow. At that at, at the altitude, yeah. And um, wow. on a 62 millimeter turbo, 6270 from Precision. Um, that turbo is kind of, it's a smaller turbo, but you could do a lot of work. It's got a dog box in it and yeah, actually trying to get an eight. And that is at 2,500 pounds that I ran that. Wow, that is awesome. And I mean, it just goes to show the Honda love runs deep with that, right? Like, you yeah. got to be committed to oh, do that. Absolutely. I've had long nights, early mornings, um, just, you know, sometimes spending my last dollar just to make races and just to be competitive. Uh, this year, I, I think there was uh, 20 cars in our class, and I ended up number two um, out of just going. There was four events. I ended up number two. Okay. Wow. That is fantastic. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing to organize the show. You're putting a ton of work here 
into the show to get this car show up and running, you and Jake Allen together. Tell me a bit about that. Uh, so just, you know, um, Jake and I, like I said, with it was uh, I had just got back from deployment. Um, sorry, I actually forgot to mention that. I've been in the United States Army Reserves also while working here at Honda. Wow. Thank and you for I, your service, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate yep. that. Thank you. So uh, 2017, I came back and Jake was like, hey, I want to do a Honda and Acura show. And everyone's like, that's not going to work. You got to invite like all cars, not just Honda and Acura. And I was like, I'll help you with it. And that at the time, he was a tech here also. And so we did that. The show has been going on for six years. It is amazing. Like, I wish some of you guys can be out here to see all the people just walking around, checking out sponsors, checking out cars and stuff. And it's awesome. Um, yeah, we, ra radio doesn't do it justice. You can't see all of the cars out here. And they're all Hondas aside from pretty much. Well, the only thing that's not Honda is K-Swap. So it's kind of Honda yeah, anyway, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's, that is one thing. If it's got a K-Swap, it is allowed to be in the show. So we don't use, like, we don't get any money from this for ourselves. We don't retain any of it. And we start from zero every year. And wow. This, this is why I get on the mic so much because the sponsors help us out so much with covering T-shirts and, and getting stuff here and um, just little things that add up and stuff like that. It, it's amazing. Last year, I think, was our biggest year. And uh, um, I think we raised 10000 if I'm not mistaken. Wow. And, and talk about who would that charity money is going to what sort of things is that helping here in the community so ever, since the beginning the money actually goes to um habitat for humanity okay um so they are they're always one year behind if that makes sense on building a home um so these people actually have to go through a process right they don't get the home for free right they have to do uh, put an application in. they have to do hours of uh, community service for the house and stuff and when it, if they do get chosen they actually have to build their house and they're usually helping other people build their homes too. Um, so it, it, I'm telling you what, it is the best feeling when you see them on the day of even groundbreaking or when they get the keys to their home that they are able to walk in and say, this is our home. That is fantastic. I mean, it's really, you know, it's making an impact too. You know, it's not just looking at cool cars out here, which there's, there's tons of cool yes, cars out absolutely. here. That's part of why we're here. But the other part is bigger than that. Yep. It's grander than that. Right. Um, so now out, out of curiosity, you know, after the car show here, we're hanging out here on a beautiful Sunday, gorgeous Colorado weather, Pikes Peak in the distance there. Um, is there a way people can also get involved with that um, outside of the show? How, how can they support that outside of the show? Listen, so Habitat for Humanity always is looking for volunteers, right? And I'm not just saying just Habitat. You guys can um, choose any uh, people that you would like to help. But it's always good to get back into the community. Mm -hmm. um, Habitat, I just like that because we know that the money's going there and we can see um, the progress and see that people are getting homes and stuff. also want to say that like, even when these Habitat for Humanity helps out, they still have a mortgage. Right, right. They, they still have a mortgage just like everyone else. They are not getting a house handed to them. So, But what they're doing is saying, hey, we're going to help absorb some of that cost and stuff for you, which is, which is really big and stuff like that. That is amazing. That is fantastic. Now we got just a minute left here, but are there any car show or cars rather that really caught your eye out here in about 10 seconds? All right. So I am a big drag race guy. We got Jamie from PFI Speed. Nice. His car ran at 8.3 on the mountain, which is super cool. We got Mario um, also with the H22. 
um, the last generation of Prelude and has ran a 9-0 on the mountain and has the Prelude record, wow. which is really cool. And it's here at our car show. I love it. We're at the 6th Annual Honda Charity Car Show with Automotive ADHD on 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. Thank you for tuning into the show. Catch it as a podcast as well. Spotify, iTunes, everywhere fine shows. And this one are downloaded.